Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Final hour of the program is here for this Thursday edition alongside PK and Withrow. Hutton here from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew is all here making the show happen as well. Tennessee Power Hour time. We're going to get into the Titans injury report, which includes Bud Dupree uh, as they prepare for the Seattle Seahawks this week. One more day of preparation before traveling to the Northwest to face Seattle in week two of the season. They'll travel on Saturday, play on Sunday afternoon, uh, 325 Central kickoff. Um, We will get into uh, many of the game plan discussions. Also coming up, the road grader, Derek Henry, and the offensive game plan against the Seattle front. That's all coming up. First, though, we start with Taylor Lewan. Paul, who you, amongst uh, the the local media, had a chance to chat with earlier this morning. What did he have to say about his effort and play in week one against Chandler Jones and his mindset, really, going into week two against Seattle? He said he really let himself get too hyped up, really, during the whole preparation week, starting on Monday. Like, he caught himself on Monday, like, what the hell am I doing? Uh, but he, he couldn't kind of stop it. Coming back from the injury, hyped up for a big matchup with Chandler Jones, um, and that by the time he got to kick off on Sunday, he was tired. His legs were tired, and he was, he was out of it. And I, I, you know, he gave me the first question kind of symbolically because we'd had this, this battle over the Whitney Merciless game his first or second year of his career, which was now his second worst game of his career. Um, <laughs> and so, right? And yeah, I, no, you're right. And I, uh, I followed up. I said, shouldn't you this deep into your career be able to, to regulate yourself to, to not be like that? And he said, yeah, I absolutely should be. I, I don't understand how I let that happen. I shouldn't let that happen. I should be a better professional than that. You know, look, he did all of the falling on the sword that you want him to be. And then he said, you know, I could tell you all about like I did this with my left leg and that with my right leg and blah, blah, blah. And it would all sound like an excuse. Said he's hurt by the booze when he came back in, but he deserved it. And that people aren't rooting for him. They're rooting for the, the, the team, you know, yeah. and he let everybody down. And that he, you know, has a couple days to get it straight, needs to be better, expects to be better in Seattle. But again, I talked to pro football doc who said, you know, he may be better because of the scheme and the matchup and the people he's going against. But if you put him against Chandler Jones for the next seven weeks, you would see him only gradually get better, probably till midseason. Not a great sign, uh, what we saw in week one. It has to be better for him. I get what I, I was discussing this with a friend last night. They, they were asking me, what do you really think's up with Lawan? I said, I just don't think he trusts the knee. I don't think he's confident, mentally confident, in the, the physical aspect of coming back from injury because he hasn't played in forever, right? We didn't see him in the preseason. We saw him a hasn't little bit. Since October. We saw him a little bit in the preseason where, you know, he talked about knocking off the rust and how fired up he was. Um, but 
the, I think the one aspect that they didn't plan on, they being the front office, you can go and sign certain players and choose to, you know, cut Dennis Kelly because you have to save some cap, salary cap somewhere, whatever it might be, draft Dylan Radins. I don't think in all the discussion, it's okay, how is he physically? I don't think anyone took into account, what if he's not mentally sharp? And the, 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 the confidence aspect of how he played the other day did not show up as the same 77 that we're used to seeing. Again, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the guy who gave up sacks. Left tackles, even the best tackles can give up a sack in a game. Uh, it's not as much as he allowed his quarterback to be hit. It's, it's just how frequent it was happening. Even when Tannehill was not sacked, Lawan was allowing hits on his quarterback. And it was just not something I'm used to seeing on a routine basis. We would see mental lapses but not game lapses from him. And uh, he cramped, he's the only player to cramp up on Sunday. So they, take, take, they, take that This is just a, an, another thought I have here is we talked repeatedly about so much work they had to do in the offseason. Like people were saying, what about right. backup quarterback? And I said, look, it'd be great if they could get a better backup quarterback. But they're rebuilding cornerback. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, they needed to get a, a nose tackle. I mean, you look at all the positions. They lost Corey Davis. They lost Johnny Smith. They had such a long list. And they wanted to say, well, left tackle's taken care of. We're getting our stud left tackle back. And I don't know how much it was in their mentality. Well, we're going to need to help I, our stud like ta- left right, tackle for the first half of right, the season. I agree. And I also want to point this out. There, there is a kamikaze quality to Taylor Lewan's game. Absolutely. You know, he's headbutting guys pregame. He's fired up and screaming. This hasn't happened before where he's been so excited he can't go out and perform on the first snap. So I, I don't – what he's explaining is, uh, is Taylor Lewan games 1 through 17 on the weekly schedule. Yeah, I don't – here's what, what I have a hard time coming to grips with with, with his explanation. And, and I appreciate the honesty, and I think he's being very candid about it. But people talk a lot about you know, Taylor Lewan's personality. And the, the old-school guy, Titans fan, wants to say, well, <laughs> he needs to stop with the podcast and stop doing so much talking and going out there and playing. And I don't care about his personality. I just want him to shut up and, and play football, basically, right? This is one where if this is a legit reason that he was just, I mean, drained, utterly awful in his performance on Sunday, which he acknowledged and everyone who watched the game and the stats back it up. He was utterly awful in that game. If this is the reason, this is Taylor Lewan giving fodder to those people to question his personality and how it affects him on the field. You get so hyped up during the week that you physically drain yourself that you can't perform on Sunday? That's the excuse? That's the reason? You don't have a layer of adrenaline that kicks in when you're Taylor Lewan and we've seen this guy? Hutton, you said the kamikaze quality about his game. You don't have that layer of adrenaline that kicks in where you're okay to go out and you're not physically drained on Sunday? I, I find that portion of it to be strange given his personality. You know, in the beginning, we talked about Taylor Lewan, his personality getting him in trouble because he would always get a 15-yard penalty because right. he's so fired up during the game. Right. And he's talking trash and he's tearing helmets off and he's doing something after the whistle and after the play. And now, that's normally what he's now, apologizing now for. Now the reason is he's so pumped up during the week to get back that he physically wears himself out during the week of the game and physically can't perform on Sunday. 
again, while I appreciate the honesty, that's a very odd reason to me. Well, here's my concern. He's identifying it as that now. Okay? This week he's not going to be hyped up during the week and everything. But he may go out there and feel the same, knee-wise. And he may find out, oh, it's really just what my knee feels like second game back from ACL repair. Right? Part of it, yeah, maybe I was a little drained and a little overhyped and all of that. But a lot of it's actually what an a, a right ACL feels like in my second game back after not playing since October. And so a lot of that stuff, I, I thought it was, but actually in my explanation, but this is all it's not actually as big a factor as I thought. It's really just me this, two weeks into knee recovery. This, though, is so unacceptable. Paul, because what was his reaction when you asked him if he had had a follow-up procedure to his knee? That, that, that's a really stupid question or something harsher than that? So he's pretty confident in his rehab then. That was about a month ago. No, that was longer than that. I, I think it was uh, maybe the first time he month talked. A month and a half? In, like, in, I mean, it, in, in we've only been in football for the end of July. No, I think it was an off-season question. I think it was an OTA question. Okay. Maybe, maybe June. So – from June until now, now it's I'm so hyped up that I can't perform. Yeah, no, it's Buddha, very Buddha it's Baker a is very weird thing, a very weird thing, and it's going to be an issue now. So it changes the offense, right? And Julio Jones didn't look very good. How good is Julio Jones going to look? You know, you'd like to think, okay, well, if they got to help both tackles. At least they have two great receivers they could be sending out. But how great is Julio Jones going to be a week removed let's, from let's looking really on, bad? Let's stay on Taylor Lewan here for just a moment, if we, if we can. Because um, Eric in the YouTube chat says, it's a possibility, Chad. He cramped up. Possible dehydration from being overly excited. He's not a liar. The problem with athletes this level, they can truly believe they're fine. And then it just sounds like a lame reason. This guy's a um, uh, uh, daddy guy. Well, Brandon says, yes. I don't think there's anything he can say that would satisfy people. That's fair because he was so bad, especially for fans. It's not going to satisfy anyone, whatever he says. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with Taylor Wine when he said, I can talk about footwork and all that, and it's going to come across as an excuse to people, and they're not going to want to hear about all that detail. I think he's right about most people. But I disagree that there's nothing he could say that would satisfy people. Because I'm watching the game, and what it looks like to me is a guy who's not sure about his knee mentally. That he, he thought he was, maybe, and he's not, and something's going on there. That answer would satisfy me. Now, that answer would not satisfy the Titans because that would mean Taylor Lewan can't play left tackle until he's right mentally with the knee. That's a problem. Well, the, you, the, the functionality part of this is if Taylor Lewan isn't Taylor Lewan at left t- tackle, this Titans offense may suck. Well, Taylor Lewan at 75 or 80% is better than anybody else they have. You're just going to have to put somebody next to him. Paul, that was Taylor Lewan at 12%. <laughs> it was bad. Se- I will take 75 or 80% every game. That was, that was, again, I'm hammering this home, but it's true. Will's VTech below level play. At left tackle. No, I think that's over. You think Wills Vitek's getting steamrolled by a guy 115 pounds lighter than him? Yes. And Buda Baker? No. No. Oh, not, not Buda Baker, but he's getting destroyed by Chandler Jones. Yeah. Uh, well, he got Wills destroyed Vitek by didn't check himself Watt. out of the game either. I also don't think J.J. Watt had five sacks in that game. If Taylor Lewan wasn't giving up three sacks to Chandler Jones, does he cramp up? 
I, I mean, I think it's an absolutely fair question. He did say he had an IV. So the you're guy, not having an IV for pretend. The guy was booed when he was announced back onto the field. So all this for the boys chatter is, is wearing thin on fans. Oh, I agree. And I, it's understandable. And it's always something. We said, I, I remember a conversation that we had, a detailed conversation where we said, he needs to have a completely uneventful season. And it's already been an eventful well, season. But it, right? Even if the rest of the season is without event, it it's been an eventful season. It doesn't have to be season. uneventful. He can be himself. I'm very confident that a healthy and confident Taylor Lewan is great for this team. So, I mean. I mean, eventful, like without questioning left tackle. We said he needs I, to be plugged for, back in and left tackle needs to be in the I'm all question. for Taylor doing his podcast and being well, no for the that. boys and, all, and just being who we expect him to be healthy. Right, the, the first month of the season last year, we know what he's capable of playing like. That was far from it. Yeah, and then Vrabel yesterday, yesterday says, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I, the doctors tell me when a guy's ready to go, and then I, I put him out there. Makes it sound like, you know, his recovery? Uh, you'd have to ask Taylor about his recovery, which is really not uh, uh, helpful in, in terms of, of – uh, anything in terms of explaining to people why things are the way they are or in terms of any clarity on what they're going to do. Mike Frabel can't speak on the inner thoughts and right. fears of Taylor Lewan. Yeah, but I didn't ask him about the inner fears and thoughts of Taylor Lewan. I asked him how big an issue is his recovery going to be or something along those lines. Well, I, mean, I think what he's saying is that the doctor says his knee is structurally fine and he can play. But that, doesn't, that can't account for whatever's going on psychologically if there's something going on. They've got injury questions that are too much. And I think when you've got a guy coming off an ACL as your left tackle, <clears throat> when you sign your new hot-to-trot pass rusher who's coming off an ACL, and those and a doctor's saying, you know, these could be issues until midseason, well, what are you doing exactly? I mean, you know when the games are, and you have to have guys who are ready to play those games. And if you don't, you're, you're making sacrifices. Coming up, there is a, a bad trend for this Titans team that Paul is going to point out for us. Also, there is a trend for the Titans on the road that must continue. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. Talking Titans football this hour, OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. We are at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, Paul, a trend that is not in the Titans' favor, uh, and this goes back to last season. Well, it's a bit of a random number, I understand, but uh, somebody put it out there, and I cross-checked it, and it's true. In their last 13 games, Tennessee Titans are losing team. They're 6-7 and seven if you count the game this year's opener and the playoff loss last year. 6-7, and seven, and that takes you back. That takes away the five-game winning streak to start last year. So you can say, well, 13's a random number. You know, if you added a couple games on to it, they're all wins at the beginning of last season. But since that five-game winning streak to start last year, six and seven. Well, here's what I, I can say definitively about this Titans team. The last two times they took the field at Nissan Stadium, they sucked. They sucked against Baltimore in the playoffs, and they sucked to open the season now. And this all, the 5-0 and start erased a lot, but I'm going back to acquisitions made before last year the bust of isaiah wilson vic beasley not even wanting to show up to practice jadavion Clowney showing more in one game for cleveland than he showed the entire time here in nashville uh with the titans throw jonathan joseph in there jonathan joseph who could not run being a part of the team 
And then you start this year with Caleb Farley on special teams, a first-round pick. Dylan Radins at a, now what is a position of great need for the Titans on the offensive line, in need of a right tackle and maybe a left tackle if Taylor Lewan doesn't get better, uh, is a backup guard, a swing player for the team. Uh, that, that is a, a troubling trend going back to last offseason and you mix in that 6-7 and seven record you set over the last 13. But I'm not going to go 13, Paul. I'm going to go humbled at the end of the season against Baltimore in a game they just did not play well, start to finish, based on what they had done earlier in the season, and then humbled to open the season after an offseason of talk of swagger and getting better and making the big acquisition with Julio Jones. Is all lost for 2021? Absolutely not. Is that a disturbing trend? Coming off the last time they played in a game at Nissan Stadium? Yes, it is. Uh, their last win against a team who was not drafting in the top 10 was November 29th of last year against the Indianapolis Colts. So it goes beyond just last year against Baltimore. They got whipped against Green Bay. Whipped. And that was a, one of those, uh, you know, show yourself to the American people games. I asked Luan that today. I said, well, you know, why are you guys so much better when your back's against a wall and you love this thing, you know, uh, everybody's against us. Simmons was already saying that. my primary that. Nobody, complaint Nobody's yesterday. picking us. Yeah, picked up on that. And he said, it's a really good question. I, I don't have an answer for you. But, you know, plenty of people liked them against Arizona. Probably too many. But um, they, they, they generally, when the expectations are high, they don't show up. And then when nobody expects them to do well, that, that's when we see them. What is the uh, injury report outlook right now, the report for the Titans? It includes Bud Dupree, who was listed yesterday with uh, a knee issue uh, at practice. He didn't practice today. He was limited, though. John Glennon said he was out there for the beginning, but he went inside very quickly. The, the open portion of practice is 20 minutes. So he was inside before the open portion of practice was over. So he's inside within 20 minutes. Um, so he came out for warm-up and then went back in, AJ, practically. Yeah, or maybe during individual. A.J. Brown was a full participant, so that was an upgrade. Uh, Anthony Ferkser limited again with a knee. Harold Landry up to full participant. Here are the disturbing ones. David Long went from limited to no participation, hamstring. Caleb Farley with a shoulder. He was a full participant Wednesday. He did not practice today. A guy who played uh, mop-up snaps for the backup defense and uh, who, who played some special teams. Caleb Farley, the first-round draft pick, who you and I were both thinking, you know, needs to play in this game against the athletic receivers, did not practice. Uh, five others were full participants, three of whom have uh, Chris Jackson, Josh Reynolds, Derek Roberson, Jayon Brown, Rashawn Evans, all with dings, all for full participants. Hutton, you were not lying, by the way, when you look at the end of last season, not Go just ahead. the last game. Go through it. Um, I, I would say the last great performance and great win for the Titans was October 13th on a Tuesday night a year ago against Buffalo at home, 42-16. to 16. It was a phenomenal performance. They dismantled After the Bills. 16 days without really But started 5-0. But, yeah, from that point on, they survived a, a, a Texans team, 42-36, to get to 5-0. Then they play Pittsburgh and lose. They had the awful mulligan-like performance in Cincinnati. Terrible. And lost that game. They beat a bad Bears team 24-17. That Bears team had no offensive line. They lose on Thursday night football 34-17 to the Colts. They had a nice back-to-back stretch in November. 
November 22nd, they go to Baltimore, win 30-24. to 24. That was a good they one. They go to Indianapolis, win 45-26. to 26. From that point that on. That was a very good one. A very deceptive 41-35 loss to the Browns where they were bad. And they got well, whipped in that game. Here's the key. It, then they beat Jacksonville. They beat Detroit. They get whipped by Green Bay. And they beat Houston by three the final week of the season. Here is the key with all of that. The back-to-back wins in November at Baltimore, at Indy. Road games. Season savers. The lowest road rushing total of the season for Derrick Henry is 98 yards in 2020. 98 yards. He, he's the road grader for the Titans team on the road. He's got to be the king of the road. Here are his weekly totals last, last year. And by the way, uh, this, is, this is the type of player that needs to travel to Seattle. Week one. We keep, I, I've referenced a lot the slow start. He had 116 yards on the road in Denver. And you keep rattling through. Look at these numbers. 119 yards. 112 yards rushing. 133. 178. 215. 98 was at Green Bay on Sunday night football. And then week 16, 250 yards as he got over 2,000 yards on the season. And you ask, okay, this is great. Not only is it great, it's the best road rushing performance in NFL history. And Jacob has the, the logo. Here's where he ranks his 2020 season. 1,221 yards rushing on the road. Number one all time ahead of 1984 and Eric Dickerson, who rushed for 1,087. He's nearly 200 yards better on the road than any running back in NFL history in 2020. That's, that's why he's got to go to Seattle and be the guy because that offense travels. And let me extend it, Hutton. In his last 16 road games, a 2,000-yard season, 2,003 yards. That is a uh, five – where did it go? Come on. That is 563 yards better than Dalvin Cook, the next best back in his last 16 road games. 125.2 yards per road game in his last what amounts to a total season of road games. Now we know he's had those 200-yard games have all been, what, away from Nissan Stadium. But he's a beast on the road. Seattle's a loud place. Run game's easier to execute than a passing game on the road. He wasn't very good this last week. And, and by the way, all, all of the conversation this week, Armando mentioned it, what Ryan Tannehill didn't say. Everybody very, uh, and we'll get to A.J. Brown in a minute. Oh, yeah. All of these guys have been very delicate in trying not to call out the offensive line which is where all of these problems started. They started with Lawan was, was story number one out of this. David Quesenberry might have been story number two, but that unit as a whole is really the story of that first week. Titans need to start in the trenches and, and on, off, on offense. The reason they couldn't get going is because they couldn't A, block for Henry and B, protect Tano. So there's your game plan. And it, 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 I know it's simple, but it's, it's, if they go to Seattle and win, it's going to be because of Derrick Henry. If they lose, it's going to be because they, got, they, they trailed and they completely had to get away from what they do. And they never really do that, no matter what the score is, no matter what people want to tell you about how they're going to get away from the run if they're down 17 points. The Titans don't do that. They, they turn around Smith. and they give it to Derrick Henry. And Todd Downing is smarter than this, too. Uh, if, if he wants to accomplish some goals and be a head coach in the league with the talent he has, he needs to ride the best running back in the NFL. 
and on the road without question in the history of the game, it's Derrick Henry. Henry's got to be, and it may not be possible with the start. I mean, last, last season in September on the road, it's a little bit easier than facing teams out of the shoot like Arizona's rushing uh, performance, the rush defense performance that we saw, Seattle and others. My point here is he's got to be on par. Now, he doesn't have to go for 250. He's got to go for 22 plus, 22 carries or more. I gave you the stats yesterday. They're 14 and two, or 14 and one, excuse me. 14 and one when he has 22 carries or more. When 22, 22 totes the rock for 22 or more. 21 or less, they're six and 11. That is as bare bone and basic as it gets, but it holds true. And Seattle's going to sell out to stop the run the same way Arizona did because the formula worked. And the formula worked easily. 10 carries for two yards or less last Sunday, six carries for zero or negative yardage against this run game that rushed for over 2,000 yards a year ago. Not good. Well, and then the, the, the follow-up question to that is, and we need to tweet that out also about uh, Derrick Henry's road rushing performance versus other great running backs and the great seasons they've had. The follow-up to that is, how much different is the Titans' offense now with Julio Jones? With the changes made, no Jonu Smith, no Corey Davis, bring in Julio Jones, the Anthony Furks are now the pass catching option at tight end. How much different is, I, is it? Is it? Is, does the offense have a different complexion to it, Chad? I think the answer is probably no, because it's still an offense that's got to work through Henry. I don't have much patience for Todd Downing as a play caller, not like I had with Lafleur and with Arthur Smith. And the reason is for what he inherited and the fact that he's called plays before. This is his mulligan chance and his mulligan opportunity as an offensive play caller comes with Derrick Henry A.J. Brown and Julio Jones and oh by the way you don't have a rookie quarterback you have Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback off of last year in the last two years so uh, I, I was asked Braden Gall asked me earlier this week he goes how, how many games do you give Todd Downing before we know one way or the other and I said it's not many first month it's not many it's like three or four games because this guy has inherited a mother load it's time to go produce. There are no excuses. We're already talking about injuries with this team, but really there are no excuses for the result we saw on Sunday. Period. And also, who will that team and those players, if they're going to turn on anyone, who will they turn on the quickest if things aren't going well three, four games in offensively? It's well, going to be the it, new play call. It's yeah, going to be easy. Him. It's going to be easy to figure and out. And it may be the answer as to who to turn on the quickest. Well, they have to. We we can get heavy into this tomorrow in our game preview. It starts on first down. I mean, they they were so bad on first down yardage. On the Manning cast, you heard Peyton Manning say our third down was first and second down, and the tit- these Titans this week weren't anything like that. They weren't doing they were behind any behind the sticks after one snap. Always. And they're they are going they're going to Seattle where. Uh, they haven't played a home game with fans in 18 months. And they've lost eight games in three years, including the playoffs. It's a hostile environment. I know Jeffrey Simmons mentioned it yesterday, and I'm not against his mindset where he's like, no one's expecting them to win. And he's right. I mean, within seven days, they're going to go from favorite to road dog uh, and everyone thinking they're going 0-2. It's not an easy start. And it's also not something that they can't overcome at 0-2. But I... I can't help but think what they're, what they're talking about internally 
and the flight back, if they go up there and get slapped around, it, the flight back thinking, okay, we just said we had the wake-up call, and this, this is, is what we did. Response. I think your confidence and your swagger in your ability to have an identity and know what your identity is and execute it is going to be seriously questioned within that locker room at that point. If they go and get slapped around to any level close to what they did against Arizona and they can't block and protect Ryan Tannehill again, I don't know. You're going to sound like a crazy person if you get back on that plane and come back home and say, nope, we're totally fine. We know exactly who we are and what we're going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, That's great if you stick with it and eventually it comes back on your side. You go out against Indy the following week and look like a team that was the team, the good Titans of a year ago. But if not, you're, you're going to sound insane. Well, I'll say this. If, if Seattle is stopping Derrick Henry, that means there got to be matchups, favorable matchups on the outside of the but other two guys that we talk about. There's a problem with you gotta that. you got to block someone. Exactly. I mean, to do that, you're going to have to give Ryan Tannehill more than a second and a half. Well, let me get into to one thing. I, I had questions about something that each of the coordinators said. So let me start with Todd Downing. I asked him, where were the slants and the crosses, the quick, the quick stuff? Because that seems to me an answer, Chad, and what you're saying. Even if Ryan Tannehill has no time, he can throw a quick crosser, right? That's a quick play. Paul, generally. normally you're right, but I mean, on some of those, most of those sacks, or where he's getting pressure. Yeah, not quickly, on the sacks. Not like, on the sacks. He's, he's just finishing his drop back, and he's getting. No, I agree. Not pressure. on those six yeah. plays, but on other plays where he was under pressure, I think there was potential for some of those quick things. But here's what he said that bothered me. He said. We were pretty far behind, and dinking and dunking wasn't going to get us where we needed to be. But I don't think crossers to A.J. Brown are dinking and dunking because A.J. Brown has consistently run away from people and given them big yak. And so is he thinking that crossers to A.J. Brown are dinking and dunking plays <laughs> when, for, when for Arthur Smith... They were often home run plays. Yes. You also could have called those crossers down 10 nothing. And not down 24 to 6. Yeah, but take my bigger theme. So you weren't the always Titan, down that that's much. That's not a dink and dunk play for A.J. Brown. That's bread and no, butter. I, you're right. So I just got, I was thinking, I'm also I don't already think starting you're to hear. I'm also starting to hear do. the rumblings that, oh, you know, it really undervalued Jonu Smith and Corey Davis. Don't want to hear it because it's who you brought in. You brought in Julio Jones and you signed a guy who you were trying to elevate as a second year, uh, second option at wide receiver before you traded for Julio Jones in Josh Reynolds. And you, you sold us a bill of goods on Anthony Ferkser. And well, I'm not we're not hearing Ferkser, that from them. We're hearing that from fans. I, well, everyone bought into it until they saw the performance. And all of a sudden oh, it's like, yeah. oh, no, uh, Corey Davis and, and John New Smith were a big part of this offense. Yeah, you didn't say anything Saturday. You know who's going you know to start to maybe not say that out loud to the media, but start to say it around that building and in their own head? Todd Downing. Well, give it give it a week or they, two if he's not playing well. They and what were, do you think he's going to start thinking? They were John Robinson screwed us over by letting John o. Smith and Corey Davis go. Well, they they were big pieces of the offense. I, I, I've pointed out what they meant for them in the start yes. of the season last year in their five and zero start. Uh, I've also pointed out what they replaced them with, who they replaced them with. It's as if they let them go and had to go replace them in the draft. They didn't do that. They traded for a pro football Hall of Famer. In six or seven Corey years. Yeah, so the problem is the tight end. Get him the football. They didn't do enough at tight end, and we all said that all along. Now, here's, here's my Shane Bowen uh, yes. issue. 
And, and look, he took his time with this question. He gave me a thoughtful answer. I had no beef with, with what Shane Bowen, how Shane Bowen handled the question. Second and five, when uh, DeAndre Hopkins scored the touchdown that he caught and then he ran the little loop around Kevin Byard, that was a zero blitz, okay? Catch, turn to the right, right. score. So zero blitz. Six were coming at, at, uh, at the quarterback, and all of the defensive backs were off. Okay, well, if you're throwing a zero blitz at me, I'm looking to get rid of the ball very quickly. If I'm looking to get rid of the ball very quickly, there are no defenders on the people I'm throwing the ball very quickly to. I counted. Kevin Byard was three or four yards behind the sticks. He was on Hopkins. He was eight yards away from Hopkins when Hopkins caught the ball. So I said, you talked about challenging, 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 but you called a zero blitz and your men were all off. Well, he said second and five, I think is different than third and five, and we don't want to give away, oh. we don't want to give away a zero blitz <laughs> with, the, with the coverage. So it's kind of a disguise. And he said, uh, uh, so that was his explanation, which doesn't to me make a lot of sense, though I appreciate the patience he took to explain what their thinking was. And then Rex Road asked the follow-up, you know, was Kevin Byard in the right spot? And he said Kevin Byard was in the right spot. So they want Kevin Byard to be defending DeAndre Hopkins on that with the ball in his hands with space. Kevin Byard's not going to win that play against DeAndre Hopkins. Their best corner, who at that time is Christian Fulton, isn't going to win that play no. against DeAndre Hopkins in that space. And there, so I don't understand the thinking. And some of that is just having there. a better me, offense wins against good defense, and some of that is just having the better player but if you're zero blitzing yeah, let me he try to understand that rationale. all these wide receivers with all that space he's going to find somebody right. so he's right. more okay with getting torched for a touchdown and putting kevin byron in an awful spot on second down as opposed to third down well he's saying on second down uh they're not necessarily gonna expect the blitz they think there are different possibilities there. On third down, he's, they know it's a passing tendencies. Even if yeah. they're not expecting the blitz, then you still disrupt them more by having press coverage on the outside, not expecting any of that. As opposed to looking up and saying, oh bleep, here's a blitz, and here's a guy wide open because everyone's laid off their And receivers. he wasn't the only one because they're all behind the stick. So I think it's an easy first down. I, I, the zero blitz with off coverage is not a very good combination. Maybe you're only doing it once in the whole span of that game, but it only takes once for them to abuse it. So there's one off for each coordinator to me. When we have this uh, Todd Downing offensive coordinator discussion, one thing that I would like to get away from that I, I hear from a lot of people is trying to look at whatever Arthur Smith does in Atlanta as a head coach as the reason why it's okay that the Titans are struggling at offensive coordinator now. It has no bearing. It has nothing to do with Arthur Smith, Titans play caller with this offense. And, and uh, look, uh, Arthur struggled early in his play calling duties, and then things clicked. He also right, had they, a bad quarterback. Right. I mean, they they he in steps Tannehill. Um, my point is on my patience level. It's what you inherited as a play caller, and having the experience of doing it already in the league. This guy's done that in Oakland. Have at it. I mean, th th again, my expectation for Todd Downing is he doesn't have to be a head coach next year. He should be mentioned. We should be hearing Ian Rappaport and, and Adam Schefter 
throwing his name just to fill some spots in a tweet on a list. because they want to list names because of what he inherited and the talent he has offensively. And the success that they have. We've got one more guy we need to talk about here. Yep. A.J. Brown. That's next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360, wrapping up what's been a fun, fast-paced show. Glad you're with us from Florence, Alabama, with Fox Sports Shoals to Fox Sports Knoxville to Nashville, Tennessee, and everywhere in between across the Outkick network. A.J. Brown wants Titans fans to know that the players are trying their best, pleading for positivity after Sunday's result was anything but. Um, It's hard to even try to figure out positives and good takeaways from uh, that atrocious performance. Uh, But he tweeted out that he's, uh, here's the quote, spread love, be nice to people. We're all just trying our best. Uh, This was at 1130-ish last night. Uh, My guess is that has everything to do with uh, the Tennessee Titans and nothing else. Chances are that's not some song lyric that he's listening to on his drive home. Um, This coming from the alpha of the locker room, A.J. Brown. Uh, may I read another tweet from A.J. Brown <laughs> about, you know, you have it. Got, he wants it everybody to be nice and positive and everybody's just trying. You know, everybody's just trying to do their best. We all, well, we all are doing our best. And he wants everybody to know that. Another tweet was uh, retweeting one Paul Kuharski. <laughs> and the tweet reads, I'm going to say this as nice as I can. Nobody asked for your effing opinion. He's probably working through something like everyone else in camp. I'll probably get in trouble for this, but I don't even care. Need to learn some respect fast. Two very different A.J. Browns. That that was in response to Paul tweeting out a video of Josh Reynolds and saying that Josh Reynolds did not look very explosive to him in training camp, which, by the way, he didn't. I just find it comical. Resulted in him being a scratch. I find it comical that the guy that tweeted that to Paul is then later after a beatdown at the hand of the Cardinals is – tweeting out uh, what looks like a daily affirmation that I would get It looks like something you're going somewhere. to tell to Evie's t- uh, team yeah. this weekend. Hey, Guys, remember, be nice to all, everyone we're and we're trying our, our best. best. Yeah, we're all trying our best there. Let's make sure we all, all right, Excuse that. me, is this, are, are these the Tennessee Titans or the Jacksonville Jaguars? That's Look, what I'm asking myself and I, as I read. Is A.J. Brown playing for this Titans team that won 11 games last year or is A.J. Brown playing for a team that's going to be in the top five of the draft? He's trending badly this week i hope it's a one-week thing he did not react well to this loss he spoke or should he didn't sound no but not in the way that you you expect him to where he's angry and fiery and pissed off he 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 was weird after the game he assured us that uh, all of these questions we were asking about them not being together during training camp oh there was all this secret work that went on behind the scenes when julio jones wasn't healthy out on the field actually when we went home they were in the bubble apparently doing sprints and all kinds of, of things that Paul, we let didn't me jump see. in as you go through this you know who worked behind the scenes the tampa bay buccaneers during covid yeah right <laughs> right this team was not working behind the scenes no. to any great extent. And then, then when he t- spoke to us Wednesday, he was kind of swaying and he's weird. Annoyed. And he wanted out. Yeah, he was very annoyed. And he wanted out of there as fast as it could be. That's fine. Sure. But I expect him behind the scenes to be on fire because he's one of the, two, the team's two biggest alphas. But that tweet is not him being an alpha. That tweet is him being a little league uh, guy. 
I don't think he's a little league guy. And I'd be no. surprised if there's more of that. I'd be surprised if he doesn't come out on fire on Sunday and get back to being himself. But if there's more of that to come, Titans are in trouble. Well, show it. I mean, stop talking. At this point, you know, if you're Taylor Lewan, well, we're I don't want to. We're going to see, see it one way or the other. After don't all the talking tweets, this week, apologizing to fans, apologizing for getting your ass kicked by Chandler Jones. Go show something different. Stop giving me Tony Robbins messages. Well, if you're AJ Brown, but everybody doing their Sunday. best. But yeah, yeah, I, but you I, know I, you can't tweet show it until Sunday. Don't tweet it. Shutting the hell yeah. up, everyone. That's a weird tweet. It's a weird. Well, tweet. this this is a what that is. That is a G, get off my ass. No, 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 not him. That's a G-rated version of what he did to in me? response to you for your tweet about one of his teammates. Get off everybody's he, ass. He has seen people rip into his teammates, and that's his response because in a they can't G-rated handle, version. Because they can't handle it. But he should be ripping No their, one's ripping their, A.J. Brown this no, week. No, he should be ripping their asses, too. And he <laughs> well, should be joining the chorus instead of dude, babying the fellas. I just don't – I mean – Mike, there's no chance this week that Mike Vrabel hasn't just destroyed them behind the scenes. He I, did. He, he destroyed that. Julio Jones in public for the penalty. Yeah. So, so if he's doing that with Julio Jones in front of a camera, imagine what Vrabel's doing with this team behind the scenes. At least what he did on Monday. He's probably he's got to be over it by Wednesday and moving on. So, how does this team respond after? And Chad's right. Like, stop talking and show it. They've only been talking for about three days. Look, I have, and, and after one loss, that that's why I'm buying more into the fact that this game means a little bit more for the psyche of that locker room than what they want to admit publicly. And I Stop. think they'll be better, but they got problems. Julio well, Jones can't run; doesn't look like he can run. Taylor Lewan can't move well. David Quesenberry's just not good. Bud Dupree might not play. So they can be a lot better. But what about all those holes? Randy Bullock is their kicker. Well, it's not – it is about winning and losing because it's the National Football League. But it's, it's a lot about with this game to me, how do you respond? How do you get up off the mat? Because they were knocked, knocked down big time against Arizona. So how, how do you respond to that? I'm just – I'm not liking what I'm hearing from there this week leading into this game. And there's, there's some rabbit ears going on. Uh, with that oh, team that's sure. just just cool sure. well they worry, heard the talk worry about, about this your season. coach riding you like this that. week worry about don't worry about what the fans are saying don't worry about getting booed i understand psychologically it's going to have a little bit of an effect but just worry about doing something different and not talking about it just go show it I, I, fans sh- will quickly embrace the titans Right back. Chad, if they I'm going go back up there to my and analogy. lose by a field goal you and with, play well, they'll embrace it. You with the ammonia packets, right? The smelling salts. Yep. Classic. Um, if you got to get some more of those. If you take a whiff of that and you don't, you're not coherent afterwards. Something's wrong with you. Like you're really out of sorts. You're really out of sorts. They should treat that Arizona game like you did that ammonia packet. Yeah. That, that's all I'm saying. Like it's still very early. Smelling salts are but, available. But I'm listening to. The comments coming out of uh, Metro Center in their their sports park and thinking, uh, this is this is a little odd. I never thought I would hear this after a week one loss from this team. You know, th- well, this, is, from that this player, is not this is not the Ken Wisenhunt era. Yeah, this is a little weird from that player, especially who who is an alpha on that team, AJ Brown. Coming from him, it's it's even it's even stranger. A smelling salts game, Hutton. I like that. Everybody's doing that's, their that's, best. That's what we're going to now label this. This is a smelling salt game. Yeah, Michael Badgley, or whatever his name is, did his best. <laughs> did he? Well, he's saying everybody did their best. 
Michael Badgley on that second on that second miss. No, not did their best, trying their best. He tried his best. Michael Badgley on the broadcast on that second miss. Guy came up was trying to console. Far from their best. Pat him on the back. But they tried their best. Well, Michael Badgley put his hat on and said, "I'm good." I mean, he he knew what was coming. He didn't care. (laughs) But he tried his best. (laughs) That's kind of what I'm saying to AJ Brown's point. Trying your best isn't good enough for some guys. Well, that's certainly not good enough for this team. All right, there, there's a, a statement to be made with how they come out and play against another very good team in Seattle. It's not if you lose, it's how you lose. We won today, though. Let's proclaim it. Victory. We victory. take it. No participation sweet, trophies on this sweet show. Sweet victory No today. participation trophies. We are back at it tomorrow. A huge football weekend preview. Enjoy Thursday night football as well. Hit us up on Twitter at OutKick360. Do not block the box. Do lock the locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.